Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to Too Legit to QT. I'm your host, Darquea Connor, and I'm so excited today because I'm here with Al Calderaro, executive producer of The Judge, Character, Cases, and Courage. Welcome to the show, Al. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, thank you. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this documentary. Um, so the documentary follows the life of Judge Robert R. Marriage, and it talks about all of the injustice that he fought for and he stood for, like racial inequality, women's rights, um, uh, patients' rights, prisoners' rights, um, every, everything that he stood for, you name it, this film talked about. And so uh, the first question that I had, you can clearly tell that this is a passion project. I knew that out the gate. I said, the you and the director, uh, Robert Griffith, you could tell that, that you were very passionate about uh, history, uh, but also passionate about telling this particular story. And so what inspired you to pick Judge Marriage in particular and to do a documentary about him? Well, uh, uh, the judge was from Richmond, Virginia, which is where I live. I moved into a building that was owned by his son, moved my office into that building. And somebody asked me why the judge was famous. So I told them what I knew, and uh, which wasn't all that much, but then that got me interested in studying the judge. The more I studied him, the more I thought, oh, this is like, you know, it's just one of those people that you run across in history uh, that is just in the middle, seems to be in the middle of everything, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's like he was willing to, you know, sort of take on the tough cases, take on the tough issues, because his, his guiding principle was, uh, you know, what's the fair thing? What's the right thing? And that's, that's a recurring theme in his cases and in his rulings. And, uh, and I've, you know, something I've always believed in too, you know, justice and uh, standing up for the little guy and the little person. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the way it's supposed to be here in America. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be. Everyone has an equal opportunity. Obviously, we can't, you know, guarantee what the outcome will be, but everyone should have a fair shot. Everybody should get the same shot at, at the, the American dream. And when he saw that was not happening, he tried to correct that and try to make it fair and make it right. Uh, and it's, as I said, it's been recurring. It was recurring in all his his cases. Um, mm. uh, you know, the the school desegregation cases, the getting women admitted to UVA. It was, it, you know, this it was the same issue. It's like, okay, we have we have citizens, we have taxpayers who are being denied the opportunity that that they should have because of what he saw as superficialities that it's racial differences, sexual differences. That's not the way it's supposed to work. You're here, you're a citizen, you're supposed to have this opportunity. And he tried to make that happen. Absolutely, absolutely. So, wow. So you, your office was in a building, you said your office was in a building that um, used to be owned by him or his son, you said? His son, his son still owns the building. 
Okay. Yeah. So at what moment did you say, you know, I want to make a film about this? Because you could have done, you could have wrote a book, you could have wrote an article. What made you actually want to do a, a documentary with all of your knowledge and your findings? Um, I don't know. I just thought I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it should be done. And I had always been in and around the movie business uh my my, uh, I'd spent a lot of time in New York as a as an artist as a as a painter, and one of the ways I supported myself was I worked with an independent filmmaker uh, oh. as, as as a crew member, and I mean it's this, that's a whole long story. That's like my story, which is somebody else will have to make that documentary. Uh, I always wanted to make them make movies, and uh, this just seemed like. The movie to make. Uh, the judge was kind of speaking to me, and uh, uh, just timing. Timing is the key to life. Right place, right time. And the more we worked as we went along making the movie, you know, the situation in the country made it more and more timely. Oh, yeah. um, you know, here, here's okay. Here's the kind of person you want. Uh, making the American dream as accessible to as many people as possible, as opposed to someone who might not be interested in making it accessible to anyone other mm. than themselves. So I thought, okay. So the more we worked on it, the more things started. To, the film became more and more timely. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, I just believe in sort of like serendipity and things happened through the course of the film that made me think that, uh, wow, I think the judge really wants us to make this movie. Uh, like his spirit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just, you know, things would happen. We'd get stuck. We, you know, you know, we we're, were like a nonprofit. We're trying to raise money to make the film, and like, you know, it's sort of like things would slow down. And it's like you're thinking, oh, we really need something to happen, and it would happen. Um, Okay, here's an example. We go into a meeting, and if you want to ask me questions, just stop me because now that I'm oh no, I'm very, I'm very intrigued. No, I'm definitely intrigued. Okay, uh, we go into a meeting with a, a possible uh, funder for the movie, a foundation that didn't typically contribute to uh, films, but we were trying to like pitch it to them so that this is a film they should they should get behind. And so we go into the meeting. Fortunately, the guy who was one of the board members of the foundation was a lawyer who had appeared in front of the judge. So he's kind of, you know, positively disposed anyway. And it was, we go through the meeting and he's saying, okay, yeah, we can fund this. And then he asks us the question and he goes, well, you know, it's kind of interesting that the judge actually got appointed to the bench because mm -hmm. he wasn't like from one of the old families of Richmond. He wasn't from like, he didn't go to the right schools, uh, he was from Brooklyn, um, and he was a he was a criminal defense attorney, and and they typically don't get appointed to the federal bench. So how did that happen? And we so I walk out of the meeting with Bob, the director. I say, you know, okay, Bob, we're making a documentary about this guy. We got to figure this out. We got to find out how he got appointed to the bench. And literally the next day, I open my email, and there's a there's an email from the son of. 
uh, a, a guy who, uh, uh, J. Sergeant Reynolds Jr., who had been Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, and it was mm -hmm. a friend of judges. And the, this film was made for a, an opening of a junior college that was named after J. Sergeant Reynolds Jr. His son had sent me the video, and in the video is the judge himself telling the story of how he got appointed to the bench. And I'm thinking, I, can't, I just can't believe this. It's like yesterday I said, well, we need, we got, we got to figure this out. Next day, there's the judge telling the story of how he got appointed to the bench. I'm thinking, wow, that's something. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, literally, like when you talk about you felt that his spirit and his energy and that he wanted you to make this film, like yeah. you can't make that up. That definitely is like fate a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, as I said, you know, serendipity, maybe that just happened because it happened. But there were other things that happened. Then you start thinking, oh, wow, you know, maybe this is like, uh, you know, the judge is, you know, on the team here with us, helping I us out with the movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And also, too, um, one of the things I, I watched the documentary, it was absolutely fantastic. So first off, congratulations. But um, you could definitely tell that he was a person of integrity and he surrounded himself with collaborators. Um, I think at one point in the film, you even you you all talked about that, about him you know, befriending people that weren't necessarily part of the same party as him. Maybe they were part of the Republican Party, but they all stood on the ground of justice and how he said, you know, we all took the same oath, you know, to uphold the law. And so I think that also with people helping to tell his story and helping you all to tell his story and uphold his legacy, it really shows the the community and the people that he surrounded himself uh, self with, and that probably helped you to be able to film this. And it was probably an easier process because people, um, I saw all of the interviews and people just really spoke with him in a very endearing way. Um, that actually leads me to my next question. Uh, you spoke a little bit about your process in creating the documentary. Um, you and the director, Bob, how are you able to really sit down and gather the interviews and choose which, one to, which ones to use and not use? Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Well, um, the thing was, which is like a good, good problem to have, is we had so much material, not necessarily archival material, because a lot of that was actually just destroyed, like the news channels, local news stations had at one point a lot of film on the judge. But when they went from film to digital, they just, they literally just dumped all their old film archives because they just couldn't store them anymore. And so a lot of that stuff was lost. We were lucky to find as much as we did and we, we got some good archival stuff. Interviews, on the other hand, were kind of, for the most part, pretty easy to get because there were still a lot of people around who remembered the judge, former clerks, former colleagues, and they wanted to tell their story. They wanted to talk about the judge because in a way talking about the judge was talking about what they do, what they do. And, and they all kind of recognized that the judge embodied the best of what they do, that, you know, uphold the law, uphold the, you know, justice, practicing that this is a nation of laws, not men, and the judge put all those things into practice, which they 
sort of recognized. So they wanted to tell us their stories about the judge because the judge was um, telling the judge's story was, was in some way telling their story. And not that that's what they were telling us, but that was the sense that I got. So they were, they were eager to talk about the judge. And so we got, you know, you know, Senator Kane and Senator Warner and federal judges and former governors. And they all wanted to tell their story about the judge because the judge's story in a way was like, what's, you know, what works about America and what should we focus on? How do we make it better? Uh, how do we make it work for everybody? And these are the things that the judge was interested in. And those are the things that they're interested in. And, um, you know, the climate, especially at the time we were making the film, was not really about that. It wasn't about how do we make it better for everybody? And, and we're all in it together, which is kind of the essence of democracy. You know, we really are all in it together. And it's like, uh, you know, the comps, the concept that I think is at the heart of America in a way that gets not focus on enough is that if if it, it it doesn't work for everybody ultimately it really doesn't work for anybody and that helping someone else is actually an act of self-interest in a way because if you can make it better for that person you're actually making it better for yourself and so that's yeah uh, as i said that in a way that's that was the judge's uh uh guiding principle and not that he like talked about it every day but that's the kind of the way he lived his life and other people wanted to help us tell that story because it is as i say it's kind of the best of america and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll keep working on it and someday we'll actually make it work for everybody because if it's working for everybody it's going to work for all of us so i think that's what the judge was uh, trying to trying to demonstrate, right? as he said, just doing his job. Mm, absolutely. Um, I apologize. I have a lot of background noise. There's construction happening on the side of me. I don't know if you can hear it, but to the listeners yeah. out out here, if you hear, um, you know, a truck, I don't know what they're doing, but that's what's going on. But we're going to continue to try to give you a great, excellent interview. Al, you're doing a wonderful job. Um, thank you for your honesty and transparency. Um, so I had the liberty of actually watching an interview that you did and you spoke about um, really wanting to uphold the judge's legacy. I know that when you're creating a documentary, especially a bi biographical um, documentary, you, it's really important to make sure that you know you're telling telling the story, telling the person's story in a way that's truthful and honest to who they were and what they did. And the parts, some people they choose to tell certain parts. Other people, whenever they're doing a autobiographical film, maybe they'll omit certain things. What measures did you take um, to make sure that you could uphold the judge's legacy in the best way possible? Well, the um, the decision that we, we, we made was because, okay, first of all, you know, we can't make a 12-hour movie. And <laughs> we had all this material, we had all these interviews. So what we thought was, okay, we'll, we'll pick the three, uh, well, Two of them were specific cases, and and the desegregation was actually a series of cases and rulings that the judge had made. So what we were trying to do was by um, 
looking at those cases was to communicate what's what was the essence of the judge i mean we can't we can't show every case we can't you know we're not for one thing we're not lawyers so we can't you know sort of dissect it from a legal point of view but it, it's like what was it about the judge that made him uh this kind of uh, in a way, a heroic figure, although he never saw himself in that way. He, he just thought he was doing his job. So what was it about him? Uh, so what we were trying to do is like capture the essence of, of the judge, which in a way is why we have that little that clip of the judge at the end when the credits are rolling, where he's telling that story. Because uh, when his son saw that clip, he said, well, that's that's him. That That's like at you know, full on judge. And that's <laughs> one point where you're really sort of getting it like unfiltered, not with like, you know, the, you know, the serious professional demeanor, which was required for someone who's a judge, but he's just being himself. Mm. So we, we were, we were trying to like capture his essence and, um, you know, his dedication to the law, his belief in, in, in America, um, trying to make it fair and right. What was the fair thing? What was the right thing? So that was the thing we, we were trying to, you have to make a decision. Like, well, what are you going to do? So if we thought the judge is inspiring us to make this film, maybe if we can show the judge or what, what was at the heart of the judge being the judge, it will inspire other people to a uh, find out about the judge, but B find out about the constitution, find out yeah. about uh, how it's supposed to work here. Um, what, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the good thing about the uh, democracy is that it's at, at its heart, it's, it's about fairness. It's about equality. Mm -hmm. Law is that it was, it's created by people and run by people. And like every one of us being a human being has flaws. So we mm -hmm. have this, kind of idealistic philosophy being implemented by, you know, a whole series of flawed people. And the, 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 what I see as like um, heroic individuals are those who strive to um, not necessarily eliminate their flaws, but overcome them and try mm. to get on this higher plane. Mm. And if we can get more people to want to, operate on this higher plane and focus on fairness, justice, um, making it work for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's what we'd like to have happen from the film. And that's, I guess, one of the primary reasons we made it because we have a, somebody who believes in those things and we're trying to get other people to not necessarily uh, make some kind of you know conversion, but just become more aware of in a way, the essence of America, the the essence of the of the democratic principle. What what it really mean? What does it really mean? Um, you know, democracy means democracy. It means everybody. Mm. You know? uh, so, let's make it work. Absolutely. Um, just even with with me watching the film, I I look at everything that's happening right now in our climate and um, everything happening with like. Uh, specifically for me being an African African American woman and seeing the things happening with police brutality and the judges who are actually like trying these individuals and just seeing this film and seeing judge marriage and 
you know, what he believed and the type of person that he was, like even the section that talked about how nobody wanted to take on, uh, wanted to represent the Ku Klux Klan, but somebody had to in order for the other, the, the other side, for the people who were boycotting um, to get justice, they still needed representation. And he, and he said, this is the law. We need to get somebody to represent these, the Ku Klux Klan so that the other party can also get justice as well. And so seeing the type of person that he was, it actually did activate something within me. I was like, you know, who are the judges in these states that are trying these individuals? Because, you know, we look at Congress, we look at the president, and yes, that's important to see who's elected, but also who's your local judge? You know, who, who's the person that's actually like sitting there and making the, the decisions when people are on trial? So, um, I, I definitely think that this film will influence people positively to just spark that awareness, um, especially for me. I'm a millennial. I know Generation Zers, you know, um, we're just learning about the different aspects of the, judici the judicial system um, is really, really, really important. And I love that clip at the end where you could just see his personality <laughs> because he went, I mean, if you really think about all of the cases, like you said, he was a criminal defense attorney. If you think about all of the cases that he, that were put before him and the fact that he could make a joke like that at the end really just showed you that he loved what he did. Um, and he was very passionate about it. He, he did. I mean, he, he loved what he did. He, he, he loved the law. But also importantly, he really loved people. He was really a, a, like a people person. Uh, and, and some of the, uh, the people we were, were interviewing talked about that, how he treated uh, everyone. I mean, here's, here's, a, okay, here's a story. Uh, there was a... a, a a case involving two death row inmates. Um, um, one uh, guy, uh, African-American guy, and he is on death row and he gets a letter from the uh, attorney general of the state saying that if you don't exercise your habeas corpus rights, we're gonna ex execute you in, in two weeks. So they send this letter to the guy and they know that he can't, he can't read or write. Um, mm. uh, he was he was developmentally challenged, so um, he takes it to his guy in the cell next to him, who reads the letter and he goes, "Well, you know, you got to, you, you know, we've got to do something about this." But at that point in time, the state of Virginia did not provide attorneys for death row inmates. If if they couldn't afford a lawyer, they didn't get a lawyer. So the other death row inmate petitions the court, petitions the judge for a hearing. Mm -hmm. So now they've got to take the guy from the, the state penitentiary, which was right in Richmond, wasn't that far from the courthouse. They've got to transport him to the courthouse. He's appearing in front of the judge. And on the other side is the state attorney general. Mm -hmm. uh, so the judge is, is, is treating the death row inmate the same way he would treat a, a lawyer. And mm -hmm. runs up appointing a lawyer for the guy who was going to be executed, who then subsequently was found to be innocent by DNA. Mm -hmm. So he was two weeks away from being executed. This other fellow prisoner went in front of the judge who in effect saved the guy by having mm -hmm. him appointed. Okay. So then 
case is over. The judge calls the death row inmate who represented the other in inmate into his chambers. So a guard takes him in to the judge's chambers. The guy's shackled. He's got, you know, handcuffs on, leg irons on. And so the judge says to the guard, okay, uh, take the cuffs off and you wait out in the hallway. So the guard says, I can't do that, judge. I have to stay with him. And the judge says, okay, take the cuffs off him and you wait out in the hallway. So the guy, the guard then repeats, I can't do that, judge. So the okay. judge says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You are going to take the cuffs off him and you are going to wait out in the hallway. So hmm. the guard gets the message that this is what's going to happen. And so that's what happened. Then the judge proceeded to advise the death row inmate that he had a certain feeling for the law. He should pursue that while he was in prison. And then, you know, we, we then fast forward where finally in 2017, after being in prison for 38 years, that guy got out of jail. He is now a paralegal and he, wow. works, he works for the Innocence Project. And so it was wow. the judge's encouragement of him to learn about the law that you know helped him get out of jail. And now he's like helping other people who were innocent and in prison to get out of jail. And so, but the judge didn't see a death row inmate in front of him. He saw a human being wow. and treated him as a human being. And I've, I've got other stories like that, but we probably don't have enough time for them. We we don't, but I, I have a feeling that you're going to make more projects and I'm going to see you here back on the show to talk to you more about the impactful work that you're doing. The film was absolutely amazing. I just want to let you know that films like this do matter. I know that you already know that, but um, it truly was an inspiration to me. Keep doing what you're doing. We, we have ran out of time. I know that you have another interview to get to. So thank you so much, Al for coming on the show. Thank you so much for talking with us, with me today and for your truth, honesty and transparency. And I know the viewers out here listening have also been impacted as well. Well, thank you. It was, it was great talking to you. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you, Al. I know I wish we had more time, but we don't. All right, I'll see you later. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Bye.